Good morning and welcome. My name is Dinah Shelley. I'm one of the pastors here at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. And today is a special celebration for us. Today we celebrate 100 years of worshiping together. So if you are a visitor, a special welcome to you. We worship the living God. Come Holy Spirit. Be with us. Let us worship together. Our call to worship is printed in the bulletin. It's from the 100th Psalm. Would you stand and join me as we recite it together? Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. 
Know that the Lord is God. It is he that made us, and we are his. We are his people, and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving, and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. Our opening hymn is number 117, O God, Our Help in Ages Past.
share these words from Colossians chapter 1. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things were created by him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he may have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. These are the very words of God. Please be seated. Good morning. My name is Scott Hare, and I'm the pastor of the North Campus called Riverside, and I bring you greetings from then, them and thanks for all that you do. Thank you for the adventure that you have uh, invited us into and cast us upon. It is a thrill to be a part of the kingdom with this glorious place, and I thank you for all of the love that you have given not only that, family extension out north, but also mine here in this place. Happy birthday, happy anniversary, everything. Pray with me. Father God, you are the king of all things, and you create us in such a way that we are bound together across space and time. You enrich us with every blessing, with every breath, and every heartbeat. Help us to live in such a way that we fill all of those with your glory. Help us in this life to bring you joy. And as we celebrate today a hundred years of life in this place, encourage us and invite us to be strengthened and impassioned in your kingdom in this day and beyond it, to know that you are king yesterday, today, and forevermore. In Jesus' holy and precious name we pray. Amen.
Jesus is the good shepherd and in him the whole universe holds together. And it is in his plan for us to have shepherds over his people in his stead. And so it is that I'm very pleased to have with us this morning uh, the shepherd of more than 100,000 Methodists in the southwest Texas uh, area, uh, Bishop James Dorf and his wife Barbara. And it is a privilege uh, to serve under uh, and be submitted to a bishop whose heart is for God and for people. And I'm pleased to introduce Bishop Dorf to you, uh, who will share some words at this time. Good morning, Alamo Heights. It is an honor and a pleasure and a privilege to be with you this morning. I appreciate very much the invitation from your pastor to bring a word of greeting to you. As he mentioned to you, I, I do uh, have the great uh, honor and, and responsibility of serving as the bishop of the Southwest Texas Conference and the Rio Grande Annual Conference. And together, there's about 430 United Methodist churches uh, all around our area. And it is uh, with great humility that I serve, but it also is with a great sense of joy because it gives me the opportunity to come to be with churches as they celebrate significant milestones and to bring you greetings from all of those other churches. When one church celebrates, we all celebrate. Amen? Amen. When one grieves, we all grieve. It is in that spirit of oneness in Christ that we all serve, and Alamo Heights has had a place in the ministry of the United Methodist Church in this whole region for many, many years. A hundred years is a long time. It's a time today to celebrate. It's a time to give thanks for what has been and to give God glory for what will be. I give thanks to you. I give thanks to the leadership that you provide for the church, not only in Alamo Heights, but all around this region. I give thanks for the lay leadership that is so significantly a part of who we are as United Methodists. I also, uh, I know you will want to join me in giving thanks to God for this outstanding pastoral staff that's up here. These are some of the finest leaders that we have in the church, and we're grateful to God for them, and I know that you are too. Alamo Heights has a history of being one of those congregations that helps us go where God needs us to go, not just stay where God put us, but takes us where God needs us to go. In Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul helps the church in Ephesus understand something of what it means to be a church. And he uses a metaphor. He says, God is building a building. And on that building, the foundation is the prophets and the apostles, all of those who have gone before. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ. And then the building is being built, he says, brick by brick, straw by straw, all held together by the love of Christ. Alamo Heights has been in a building project for a hundred years. All who have gone before, all of you, the bricks and stones that have recently been added in one way or another, 
The opportunity that we have to look for new bricks and stones to come in and be a part of the life of the church. Alamo Heights has helped us understand all of that. And I want to say one thing to you this morning. In addition to a word of appreciation and thanksgiving, I just want to remind you, as the Apostle Paul reminded the church in Ephesus, the building is not done. The building, the construction project, continues. May God be with you as you grow. Amen? Amen? Ah, amen. Thank you so much, Bishop Dorf. It's wonderful to have you and Barbara with us today. I'm Donna Streeb, one of the pastors here, and it has been my joy to be a part of three generations of this church family, and I'm glad to be with you today. We have been sharing memory moments. Uh, together for this past year. And today, as we come to celebrate, we are so pleased that we have a few of the family members of some of our former pastors worshiping with us in this service and in the previous service. And I would just like to call out uh, their names, and if their families are here, invite you to stand. And when I have finished the list, then we want to greet you. The family of Reverend Bob Tate. The family of Dr. Calvin Frainer. The family of Dr. Jack Hooper. The family of Reverend Clyde Bird. The family of Reverend Harold Perdue. The family of Reverend Wade Tommy. And the family of Hoyt Dudley. And the family of Kermit Gibbons. We have some of them here, and we are so glad to welcome you, and we give praise to God for all the ministries that have been done among us through your wonderful uh, parents and husbands, and give thanks to God. Let us greet them. We also learned that as we're celebrating our 100th birthday as a church, that we have someone here this morning who has been a member uh, coming since 1983, and she is 100 years old. And we're so glad that Winona Zimmerman is here, and we welcome her this day. Give thanks for her life among us. As we've reflected on our past in preparation for the future, our memory moment today is a short slide presentation that gives us a very brief overview of our life together as this community of faith these past 100 years. The Lord has blessed us richly, and so we offer this reflection with praise and thanksgiving to God for those many blessings.
Good morning. My name is Michael Crocker, and I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I am responsible for all the noise down the hall on Sunday mornings. And uh, Donna, I see your three generations and raise you to five generations um, of the family that I belong to. Currently, four generations of my family are in the room um, who are here celebrating and worshiping with us. And uh, it is a pleasure and an honor and a blessing to be a part of such a community, not only as a pastor, but as a member, um, as a part of this body. It is uh, a joy and an honor to be with people who get it who understand that in a hundred years of ministry, we don't just sit here, as Bishop Dorf just said, but we move beyond the walls and we go down the hall into the gym and try something that many people didn't think would work, but something that needed to happen so that people could hear the love of Christ. And then, many years later, Reverend Hare got another crazy idea and decided to travel north to create something that many people didn't think would work but it was something that needed to happen so that people could hear and feel the love of Christ. And now we're in the coffee business, two coffee shops. And many people didn't think it would work, and let's be honest, the jury is still out. (laughs) But it needed to happen so that people could hear and feel the love of Christ. And what I love about this place is that we're a body of believers who understands that who's not afraid to take a step forward and to live into the words of Peter. I'm about to read those words, but as I do, I'm going to ask you to stand if you are able. And I'm not going to ask you to listen to these words passively as you might some Sundays. We understand sometimes we talk and you don't listen. But today I want you to receive these words as a blessing from God. Because you are these people. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into His wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. These are the words of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you would now please, as you are standing, join me in the reading of Psalm 90, which is printed in your bulletin. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it is past or like a watch in the night. Teach us to count our days that we may gain a wise heart. Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. 
I'm going to invite the children to come forward and Richard Garrison and Ginger Hood for the children's time. And you are going to pass the peace with one another. And most of the times when we do this, you do so because we tell you to. But today what I want you to do is because it's a special day, a jubilate, there will be people that you have never seen before. So I want you to turn to one another. And as you share the peace and love of Christ, also share with them your name. The peace of Christ be with you all. All right. Good morning to all of you. I'm so glad you're with us to help us celebrate the hundred years in the life of our church. Over this past year, we've heard some memory moments, and even today you've seen some up on the big screens that have told us about many things that have happened in the lifetime of our church. And this morning, someone is here with me. This man right here, Richard Garrison, is with me to help us learn a little bit more about one of those events, the actual building of this place of worship that's around us. Richard knows a lot about this building because he was one of the architects. And right now I'm going to ask Richard if he can tell us a little bit more about what an architect does. Well, Ginger, uh, for, first an architect has to do what he learns as a child, and that is to listen very carefully. Listen carefully to what people want and need, and then he takes that information and he transfers that into some plans that he draws up. And the plans show where the building, uh, the walls go in the building, where the windows are, where the stone and brick goes. And all of that is finalized, and then we give it to the builder, and that's the instructions for the building of the structure. All right. So that means, first, you listened carefully to find out what was needed by the people of this church, and then drew out plans. And I think it would be neat to see those plans, what they look like. Let's see if Richard brought some this morning. I just so happen to have some right here. <laughs> okay, what I'm going to do is I'm going to show you several different drawings, and y'all tell me what you think it is. What does this drawing show? What church is it? 
Our church? That's right. This is what it would look like if you were standing out on Bassey Road and you were looking at the front of the church. That would be what this looks like right here. And that's what the contractor used to build it. Yeah, if you'll hold that. Okay, the second drawing we're going to show you, I'm going to ask you if you can figure out what that is. There's many drawings on these plans. Okay. Ginger's going to hold it up. And what do you think this is? Look carefully. Look carefully. Okay. A top view of the church. That's right. That's exactly what it is. It's a plan of the room that we're, sta- that we're in right now. And right now we're all sitting right here in what's called the chancel area. And then this is the nave and the two transepts, which are on each side here. And then the final drawing that Ginger's going to show you, I'm going to ask you to look at that. And you tell us what it reminds you of looking at it. They look like a cross. That is absolutely right. It looks like a cross. And that churches have been designed for centuries with that cross configuration. Very good. Do you, can you look around the room and tell the shape of the cross that we're sitting in the middle of? Well, I have another question that I'm wondering about, and that is, Richard, what would happen if a builder didn't follow the architect's plan and just did what he wanted to do? Ginger, that's, uh, unfortunately, that's been known to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, usually what results is you have a total confused mess and... uh, very difficult to pull all the loose ends together, but uh, the whole purpose of the plans is to make sure all the parts fit together correctly. Very good. Well, thank you, Richard. We've learned some things about plans this morning that can help us understand a little more about God's plan. So I want you to listen just a little bit longer, and let's see if we can put it all together. The first thing is, who remembers, what is the first thing that the architect must do? Say it out if you know it, everybody. Very good. Listen carefully, and we must listen carefully to God for his plan. Then the architect takes what he knows, and what does he do? He draws, draws out the plans, and they're very important for the builder to follow. The Bible tells us that God has drawn out a plan that's important for us to follow. And do you know at the very heart of that plan is God's love for you, all of you, and me, and everyone here. It's a love that God wants us to receive and take in and also to give back out to others. And I'd like you to look around the church one more time because as you see the cross shape in this room, I hope it's always going to remind you that Jesus showed us how to follow God's plan. The plan that God wants us to follow too, that is to love God and to love others. Now we're going to have Pastor Dinah pray over us. And then before you leave, we'll give you a little something. Will you bow your heads and pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you and I praise you that you are good and perfect parent for every child here. Lord, I thank you that the people of this church first gathered for the sake of our children and that we continue into the future for the sake of our children. Jesus said, let the little children come to me. For to such belongs the kingdom of God. So, Lord, enable us to show our children the way to Jesus, that they may draw us closer to you. Amen.
Okay, and before you leave, we have a, a pencil and a plan for you to take, and I'm going to ask that you just take one because I want to make sure we have enough for everyone. Thanks for coming up, and have a great day.
You may be seated. What joy it is for us to be together on this very special day. And as this congregation of faith, we love and care about one another and our neighbor. And we would ask prayers as we come into this time for some of our family that are in need of our prayers for healing. We would ask that you hold in prayer today and in the days to come David Reed, Tom Patterson, Margaret Barnes, and Ray Berry. And we would also ask your prayers of love and comfort for Burley Kane and family in the death of her father, Russell Sayers. As we come to our God in prayer and thanksgiving this day, I invite you to kneel or bow that we may be in prayer together. And please know that I will end each petition with the response, O God, our dwelling place, and your response is, hear our prayer. Let us pray together. Loving and awesome God, our hearts sing your praises this day with jubilation as we remember our past and prepare for the future you have planned for us. We are deeply grateful for the way that you have led us in these past 100 years and for the blessings you have showered upon us. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. We thank you for those parents who desired their children to know and follow Jesus Christ and through whom you created this community of faith so long ago. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. We praise you for the generous and faithful men and women, saints of the past and present, who through their prayers, dedication, generosity, commitment, and faith have given us a rich heritage of offering Christ to all. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. We thank you for the faithful pastors who have served here through the years. We thank you for servant leaders and teachers and workers and all who give their time, talent, gifts, witness, and service to spread Christ's love. We praise you, O God. O God, you are our dwelling place. Hear our prayer. And we thank you that we, though many, are one body in Christ. As we seek to use the spiritual gifts you've given us, we humbly ask you to prosper the work of our hands, that we may reach out in love both within and beyond these walls. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. Help us to worship and adore you more and more. Help us to reflect the love and presence of Jesus to our world. And empower us through your Holy Spirit to welcome the stranger, serve the poor, work for peace and justice, nurturing one another in the faith, and serving you with joy. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. Come, Holy Spirit, fill us with your power and move us into a new century of ministry and service to the glory of Jesus Christ. Enable us to carry out your commission to be faithful witnesses of the gospel to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. May we carry only from the past what we need to guide us in the future. Help us to keep our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, and be ever open to new leadings of the Holy Spirit. 
We ask this through Jesus Christ, our Lord, to the glory of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. O God, our dwelling place, hear our prayer. Amen. As the ushers and acolytes are coming forward for our morning offering of tithes and gifts, I tell you that I'm Harold Burkhart. As you see, uh, I've been recycled here at Alamo Heights. I um, put the first half, first 20 years of my ministry serving four local churches, the second half of my ministry serving President of Methodist Mission Home for 20 years, and now I'm working on the third half, and it's great to be here uh, with this staff and these people. You'll see the ritual of friendship. I hope you'll take it. If you're a visitor, we want you to sign it and pass it along that we might know that you're here and greet you again. Let us pray together in the congregational prayer for the offering. Move us, O God, beyond the building of monuments to our faith through participation in mission, beyond the giving of our money to the giving of ourselves. Help us to discern your revelation and to share it. Guide us as we seek to follow Christ among those who know us best and in the company of strangers that our very being may be our finest offering. Amen.
Please remain standing as you're able. We are very pleased if you're our guest this morning. One of the practices of our congregation the last three years has to come to the Scripture as Jesus likely came to the Scripture by first reciting the Shema, uh, which is ancient Israel's confession of uh, faith and practice in Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5. We'll do a bit in Hebrew to remind us of Jesus and our Jewish roots, if you'll follow after me. Shema Israel. Adonai Eloheinu. Adonai Ahad. And now, hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord alone, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. We started last week in the first chapter of Acts because it's important words from Jesus about the future of his kingdom. And he had spent 40 days teaching the disciples about the kingdom. And that's the scene as we pick up in verse 6. Now, when they met together, they asked him, Lord, at this time, are you going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times and dates that the father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, all Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Be seated, please. I have had a few occasions this year to answer the question, well, what about the church's next hundred years? Uh, What are you all going to do? And I usually have two answers. The first one goes like this. I don't know. But the second one is this. I will say to them, have you ever noticed how the best things in life were things that we never planned They just sort of happened to us. When I was 16 years old, I was certainly not looking for a spouse. But I went to a meeting at uh, at a club at our high school and and met the person uh, that would become my wife. Uh, Many years later, my wife and I were not looking for an associate uh, pastor on our staff at Alamo Heights United Methodist Church. We were living in Burnie. We were just looking for someone to watch our children so we could go out for one night. And we met a college student home for the summer. Her name was Dinah. And she, of course, later became a pastor on this staff. And then I met about the same time, uh, 10 years before New Heights ever started, I met a person who would become the future worship leader at Alamo Heights. It was Dinah's brother, Daryl. And, and I wasn't looking for a worship leader at the time. In fact, I was just hoping Daryl would quit breaking the rim on my uh, backyard basketball goal. He broke it at least two times, dunking on it. Now, don't get too excited. It was only set at nine feet. And then some years later, when my middle son was playing Little League basketball here in Alamo Heights, his team practiced in the Christian Life Center. It was a couple years before New Heights would be born. I wasn't looking for a pastor to lead it, but I was excited to meet the person, a school teacher new to town, who would be assisting with this team and his name was Michael Crocker and then uh, some years ago I was actually looking for a pastor to help when uh, Clyde Bird died much too early and after several months of unsuccessful searching we'd about given up for the time being and I got a phone call from a friend and he said I understand you've been looking for someone I said yes he said well let me tell you about somebody Uh, he is uh, a seminary student rather that just uh, finished seminary and then is doing an exchange program in England and he'll be coming back from England soon. 
And I said, really, what do you know about him? And he said, well, I've known him since he was in preschool. And he said, in fact, the first time I ever met him when he was in preschool, I went over to his parents' house. I was an intern at First Methodist Austin, and he came into the living room and modeled for me his new big boy pants. And I said, I want that guy. And so we ended up with Scott Hare. The best things in life are stuff we never even planned. And you know it's true. For years and years at Alamo Heights, we figured out how and planned how we could stay on Broadway. And finally, when we could stay there no longer, this piece of land on Bassey became available. Sometimes I think planning is overrated in the church as we look toward our future. Now, granted, some planning is important. I'm, I'm glad there was planning to provide meals for a thousand or so people uh, today after last service and after this service. And I know a great deal of planning must have gone on by Richard Garrison and architects and, and builders and others to move this church. But by and large, when I look at the scriptures, the folks who do the most planning are those who are in opposition to God. Pharaoh spends a great deal of energy figuring out how to eliminate the, the male Hebrew slaves while they are still babies. Sennacherib spends a great deal of strategizing time and energy in figuring out a way that he can conquer Israel all the way to the door of Jerusalem and then laid siege to Jerusalem and then to try to conquer it. And then centuries later, King Herod will come along and plan a great plan in his mind to eliminate any potential rivals to the throne by knocking off the babies in the vicinity of Bethlehem. A lot of the planning that you see in the Bible that's done by people is actually in opposition to God. And so part of my answer is, what do we do for the next hundred years? And I guess it would be, let's see what God plans. And let's do that. I think Jesus was trying to say that. He said at the end of 40 days about teaching on the kingdom of God, he said, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and I want you to be my witnesses, not my producers, not my planners, witnesses. And I don't know a whole lot how this works, but typically isn't a witness someone who didn't initiate something? They, they observed it, and then they reacted or responded. In fact, I think if the witness actually initiates it, I think it's called entrapment, but, but I'm not sure. But namely, the witness, someone else is taking the first step. And that first step, I believe, belongs to God. Jesus taught this lesson to his disciples. He marched them more than 25 miles from Galilee to Caesarea Philippi by foot, just so he could say to them, on this rock, I will build my church. I will build it. And it seems to me, as I look at the last 20 centuries or so of the church, we've been busy about trying to do the building ourselves on our best laid plans. North American church consultant Reggie McNeil puts it this way. We have seen in North America the best churches that people can build. I mean, we really have. We have churches that have their own athletic complexes. We have churches with stages and screens, churches with uh, uh, coffee machines uh, in, inside the building, churches where they actually blow smoke before the pastor comes out on the stage. I mean, we have got the best churches we can build. And are we any closer, any closer to the kingdom that God has in mind? McNeil said, we have built the best churches that we can build. 
But the world is waiting for the church that only Jesus can build. And so for the next hundred years, I think it's appropriate to say, Jesus, what do you want to do? And whatever you want to do, we want to do it. And I think whatever it is, that'll probably work. A story is told in 1950 of the missionaries being forced by the uh, Red Chinese to leave uh, China. And the missionaries were very concerned for the fledgling Christian church in China because uh, taking all the, or, the missionaries would take, they would take the books, the organization, the seminary, all of it would leave. And, and the missionaries lamented. One of them said, the only thing we left behind was the Holy Spirit. As Philip Yancey points out, 55 years later, some of those missionaries were able to visit China again. And one of them remarked, now there are 60 million Christians in China. He said, I think the Holy Spirit must have held out fine on his own. That's who builds the church. And then we follow the direction. So, what do we do for the next hundred years? Stand around? Sit around? Not hardly. You can walk around after the service uh, this, this afternoon and you can see all the banners, more than a hundred banners. And you will find this is a church that doesn't stand around. But this is a church, hopefully, that what they are doing is in response to what God is asking of them. That God is taking the lead and we are following. We cannot plan for the next hundred years, but I do believe we can prepare I'm so glad that we have some guests this morning because I can use a story I like to use every other year and they won't have heard it. It's one of my favorite stories from history. The story is of Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain, Colonel Joshua Lawrence Chamberlain. He was a seminary graduate and he was teaching college in Maine and then the Civil War broke out. He was so moved by the the plight of, of the slaves and wanting to eliminate slavery that he went and asked the dean of the university for a leave of absence to join the um, army and he was told no so he thought about it i guess he prayed about it he came back and asked the dean for a leave to go study in england and the dean said yes you may and so he went and joined the army and because he was educated even without military training he became a colonel and this regiment but the regiment lost their uh, leader he was promoted and if you've seen the movie gettysburg you may remember Chamberlain is put in charge of this move, uh, this uh, uh, force that's moving from Virginia north. And he's not only given these men from Maine, he's also given a bunch of deserters. And he is told, get these men to fight or shoot them. And so he's on his way toward a place he doesn't know yet. It's Gettysburg. To fight a battle he's never heard of at Gettysburg. That will be the pivotal battle in the Civil War. And he's on his way to a place he's never heard of to be the pivotal linchpin in that entire three-day battle at a place called Little Round Top where he will hold the fort and the hill against the opposition without ammunition. He will do this, but he has no idea at the time. And he gathers his forces as they're moving north, and he gives them this speech. He says to them, Men, we don't know the future, nor can we determine it very much. But we can determine the kind of people we will be when the future arrives. That's what this church is about. Preparing and determining the kind of people who will be here for the future. The kind of people who love God, who love neighbor. The kind of people who listen to God's voice and obey. The kind of people, I believe, who will do four things. First thing they'll do is what we're doing this morning. They'll worship. I think worship's important, and I don't think the venue is central. 
that it's important things that we gather together and praise God. So we worship in sanctuaries and garden chapels and gyms and family fun centers and coffee houses all over. The second thing is that these people must come to understand that they are closer than family. If I had more time, I believe I could demonstrate to you scripturally that Jesus thought our family in Christ was closer than our blood relatives. And the highest priority is our brothers and sisters in the faith, and we must become one and supporting and encouraging them. Community is key. Third thing I think we have to be about in preparation is to become more like the man who holds the entire universe together, to become more like Jesus. And then finally, it will be important as we're doing this to be out in the world among those who are in pain and in need of hope and help and maybe have not heard of the good news of God and Jesus Christ. We'll need to be in mission. And we'll do those four things. And let God decide how those four things and where those four things will come together. And the decisions God makes will be better than any we can make on our own. I know that. I've seen it. 2003, we had pretty well built out uh, this campus except for uh, maybe an addition that, uh, of expansion that we're talking about for this fall. But we were kind of here and trying to figure out what the next move might be. Uh, Is there another facility? Should we uh, take it down, remodel? What are we supposed to be doing here? And I got a group of people smarter than me together, and we read and we talked and talked about what God might want. And we came up with nothing. So finally, we just called time out. And we said, instead of sitting around telling God what the future might be, why don't we listen to God and see what he might want? So we put away the books and we put away the theories and we went off and we all prayed. It is not surprising probably to you that within a month, in the same week, a number of different people heard the same message from God, which culminated in the establishment of our Riverside Community Church. It wasn't what we would have done. As I told in the last service, I had bigger and better plans. You know, we could add another, you know, we can put balconies in this place. I mean, there was stuff we could do. But that wasn't what God had in mind. And what we did was what God wanted. And it's always better than what we know at the time. If you go to St. Mary's uh, Hospital in England, you will find in the fourth floor an office, rather cramped, rather messy, with Petri dishes and test tubes scattered all over among paper. It is the office the way it was left in August of 1928 by Dr. Alexander Fleming. He was a research scientist working there in the hospital. And not an orderly man, actually quite messy. Stuff was everywhere. They would talk to him about it, but he still just had everything everywhere. And before he left on vacation at the end of August, he opened a window. He came back on September 4th, 1928, and to his surprise, in one of the Petri dishes was some mold. And the mold apparently had blown in the window through an aller- from the allergy lab upstairs. And he noticed around that mold was like a moat or a barrier-free area where the staphylococci would not go. Alexander Fleming had discovered penicillin. He discovered it in a most unplanned messy way. And people would say to him through the years, you know, Dr. Fleming, if you'd only got it together, if you'd only been more organized, if you'd only cleaned up your lab, imagine what you could have discovered. 
And he says to them, not penicillin. What do we want to do at this church in the next hundred years? We want to be the kind of people who will open our doors and open our hearts and see what the Holy Spirit wants to blow in. Will you join with me now in the closing prayer printed in your bulletin? Lord God, we thank you for calling us into the company of those who trust in Christ and seek to obey his will. May your spirit guide and strengthen us in mission and service to your world. And may we be strangers no longer, but pilgrims together on the way to your kingdom. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 89, Joyful, Joyful, We Adore Thee. Will you please stand? I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a moment before the benediction. Some words uh, to help guide you through the rest of our day. The Lord has indeed showered us with blessings today. And due to that, uh, he's also provided us with a way to be nice and comfortable in air conditioning. So, following uh, the benediction and a very special treat for us in just a few moments... Uh, you will have a chance to go and enjoy a wonderful chicken dinner, and they will be in the hallways area. And if you would like to return here to the sanctuary or go to the CLC, you may have your choice. There are also tables and classrooms. If you come back in here, we just ask you to take the pew cushions and turn them up against the back, and you can come in here, and for once in a 100 years, you get to eat chicken in the sanctuary. <laughs> You will also get to hear Jim Cullum's jazz band playing in here. 
If you go to the Christian Life Center, we have food there, and you will hear the Bluegrass Boys playing. We have church tours, and we have a wonderful display of history. So it's a great day to celebrate, visit with one another, and be blessed as we celebrate what God has done among us. It is now um, a great joy to give you this benediction. And following the benediction, just please remain seated because we have a special treat. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Celebrate.